right, we are going to do something in Job this evening. So, now we started James, but there's so much good stuff in James that may do it on Sunday morning, so. <laughs> Job, the book of Job, this is one of those really profound books and uh, we're going to cover, I don't have a particular verse, we're just going to go through this, and I've been wanting to do some of this with these books of the Bible, um, and just go over the whole, kind of do some, some summaries so you understand what, what the point is of these books. And, you know, there's 66 books in your, in your Bible, and the point is they're they have the same spirit as the as the author, and they're they're part of a bigger context, and so each book fits into this bigger context. And if you understand and, and that Jesus Christ is the central figure in the whole thing, well, then it, that's what ties everything together here. And so that said, Job is just some background material probably stuff you know, but Job's story is, Job is a good man. He's a wealthy man, he has a big family, he is, God says he's perfect in his days, I mean, this, this man is, is a righteous man, and he is very dedicated to the Lord, the God of the Bible, even though there's no Bible written in Job's day, but he's dedicated to the God of the Bible. He is faithful, and he is, he is the best of the best of people. And there comes a time in his life when he loses, he loses everything. He loses his property. He loses his ten children in one day. Just horrific stuff. He, he loses his health, and you're given some insight into the, why this happens. Um, you're given some, some private information about why this is going on. Uh, ultimately, it does show you that God is not the author of this destruction. Satan is the opposition. He's the accuser. He's the one that wants to bring about the cursing of God, and so you're told some of that stuff, but after Job loses everything, he has these friends of his that come to, to support him, but they are so troubled by what they see, they cannot imagine that Job could possibly be in right standing with God and have this terrible stuff happen to him. Surely he is being punished because of some sin. And they just can't imagine a scenario where justice, this, this, would, this, is, this is the way life should go for any good man. So they just hurl accusations at Job and they don't have any particular sin that they can locate. They just say, you know, it's, it's strictly circumstantial. 
surely you've done something wrong. Just fess up, Job. And he hasn't done anything. There's nothing, nothing wrong. In fact, it's the opposite. He's done everything right. And so that is the storyline. And then for the next, I don't know, 40 chapters, there is... There's back and forth, there's explanations, there's accusations, there's, it's just a back and forth of testing and, and Job is continually tried and tested to, to curse God and just finally say, you know what, God, you are evil. This is, this is crazy, what has been terrible, what's happened to me, and I don't deserve any of this. And so that go, that'll go on for, that's the testing of Job. It'll go on for probably 30 chapters. And uh, this back and forth with his friends and, and all that. A couple of things about this book that I really find very fascinating. This is, I, I believe it is the oldest book in the world. If it's not the oldest, it is pretty close to the oldest book in the world. And when I say book, there's other things that have been written that are older than this, but they're not books. They're just writings. And, and uh, like the, the, the Egyptian Book of the Dead is not really a book in the sense that it has any story to it or has any plot to it or has any developed characters in it. It's just a set of like spells and, you know, things on graves and stuff. It's not really a, a, a book in the sense that Job is an actual story. It's an actual telling of a history of, of a man and and has a plot line and has a beginning and has an end. So it, it's an actual book in that sense. And so as the oldest book in the in the world, I find that really interesting because it it delves into some of the most profound thoughts that people have. And it deals with really four, four big things. The first of, of, of the things that Job deals with is the question of why righteous people suffer. And this has been a question for, for a long time. Uh, Job deals with that question. His story deals with that question. Why do the righteous suffer? And there's an answer to that in Job. And really the, 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 uh, the foreshadowing is, is going to be Jesus Christ. And after the resurrection, Peter really explains it, why suffering happens. And he says this is, this is acceptable to God when... when Evil meets good in this world and good overcomes evil. That's, that's acceptable to God when there's, there is a, 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 a temptation to do wrong or to curse God and that's met with good, that's met with mercy, that's met with uh, righteousness. And Peter would explain that and he would, he would say, even as Christ once suffered the just for the unjust, and the point was, it's an example. This is, this is what is acceptable to God when in this evil world, when good meets evil and good overcomes. Be not like Paul would say, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. And so in that scenario, there has to be some, there's going to be some evil that's going to, to enter into people's lives. 
And so Job deals with that, and he doesn't, I would say he, he explains the whole thing because a lot of this is going to be explained in Jesus Christ, but that's one thing. The second thing that happens in the book of Job is that the God of the Bible is put on trial. And he's, this is the test. This is what, this is what the devil is trying to get out of Job is to curse God. And so he throws everything he can at Job. He destroys his life. And his purpose is to get Job to curse God. And so this brings up the question, is God this tyrannical being that just willy-nilly just tortures people and, and does just horrendous things to people? Or, or is, is it something else? And so... This is, uh, this is a question that's brought up, and so the God of the Bible is put on trial. And the point is, it's the, it's the question all the atheists seem to come up with, or the accusation that a lot of them come up with, that the God of the Bible is an unjust, wicked tyrant. And Job deals with that, and it's wild that Job deals with that question thousands of years ago he deals with this question. And so that's, that's pretty interesting. That's the second thing. The third thing is it answers the question of how God deals with man. And this is found in a conversation in Job chapters 32 through 37 that Elihu brings up. And Elihu is one of the friends that talks to Job. And he's, he is, my understanding, when I read the book of Job and read about Elihu, Elihu is not bad, he's good. And the things he says are right. And he speaks for the Lord. And so what he explains is God's dealings with man. And I think it's chapter 33 really really gets into the kind of the nitty-gritty of it and talks about if man will look at his own perverted ways and, and seek the righteousness of God, then God will respond to that. And that's that's a that's a real simple summation of, of that. But it answers the question of how God deals with man. And then Elihu would say, this is, a, this is how, he, how he does it many times. He's done it many times. Then the fourth thing is, is this, and this is what we're really going to look at this evening. The fourth thing that Job deals with is Job, the book of Job explains why Jesus Christ has to be a man. Why does he come in the flesh? And that's explained. It's, it's really cool how it works out because you have a couple of chapters of Job talking and then you'll have one of his friends make an argument. And then you'll have another chapter or two of Job talking. And every time Job speaks and, and he'll kind of make a complaint, there's seven times where he does this and those seven times explain why Jesus Christ had to become in the flesh. And they're, 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 they're found in these complaints that Job makes. And so that's what I want to look at this evening. And, and I hope it's interesting stuff. It's interesting to me. I'm just reading stuff this week. And it was kind of like a, a duh moment, you know, just reading through it. And, you know, I felt like it should have been obvious for a, a long time, but it just wasn't. But... Jesus Christ is in all these books in the Bible and in Job. This is, this is one of the things that the book explains is why Jesus Christ has to be in the flesh. And so 
There's seven of these explanations, or seven of these complaints that Job makes. And let's pray. And I'm just, I'm going to go through these pretty fast. Um, I don't have a lot of notes on them. I just have the complaint and the, the, the point that Job is making. And so let's pray, and then I'll show you these things. Father, I pray you'd help us this evening. Help us, again, understand our Bibles. Help us know what we're reading. There's a lot of uh, very thoughtful things that uh, are brought to the surface in this book about a good man that suffers horrendous tragedy and uh, so much that, that can be learned from it. And so much that's foreshadowed in Jesus Christ uh, in this book. But I uh, pray that you'd help us. Thank you again for each soul that's here this evening. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is, as I said, this, is, this book is so old. One of the, one of, the reason I'm going to do this, part of the reason, so you understand the book of Job, but also... You understand that these books in the Bible fit in this bigger context that explain Jesus Christ. The Old Testament is going to foreshadow a lot of things about him, or even directly just prophesy about him, say he's going to you know, come from Bethlehem, things like that. But Job really gets at the heart of why Jesus Christ has to be a man. And so it, it, what it does, it is... It's proof of scriptural inspiration because if the author of this book centuries before Jesus Christ shows up is already explaining why a Christ figure has to, has to show up, this author, this spirit who is authoring this is, 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 is not bound by time, understands his own work perfectly as far as the future goes, understands the goals, understands where he's going. And so it is, a, it is one of these things about the Bible that is, you know, is, if you're a critic or just a Bible, you know, a scholar, um, a literary scholar, there's not really a classification for things like this, prophecy, things that explain things far ahead in the future. And so... Uh, this is one of those supernatural things about the literature in the, in the Bible and the book of, the, uh, of Job here. So that said, seven things that Job brings up. And the first one, it starts in Job chapter 7. This is the first big back and forth that Job has with one of his friends. Just, you know, use the friend term loosely there particularly at this point in his life. But Job chapter 7, really chapters 6 and 7 are Job's complaint and, and, and rebuttal to his friends. And in Job chapter 7, the complaint that Job makes is this. There is no one to take away his sin. There's, no, there's not a person that exists that can take away his sin. And if you're, if you're going to find fault with mankind, yeah, you can find fault with people who want to be wicked, but and you find fault with people who don't want to be wicked, like Job, he doesn't want to be wicked, but, but there's nobody around that, that can provide the, the, the 
absolving or the doing away with sin in mankind. Not in Job's time anyway. So Job chapter 7 verses 20 and 21, this is part of his argument. He says, I have sinned, what shall I do unto thee, O thou preserver of men? Why hast thou set me as a mark against thee, so that I am a burden to myself? And why dost thou not pardon my transgression and take away mine iniquity? For now shall I sleep in the dust, and thou shalt seek me in the morning, but I shall not be. So this is his complaint. There's no way for his sin to be taken away. And if you're going to charge him with sin, there, there's no solution to this. And so, Lord, if you're, if you're going to charge me with sin, not, not only do the wicked have no solution, but the good have no solution to this. There's no way out of this. And so why does Jesus Christ have to, have to come in the flesh? This is how he's going to take away sin. This is his, his way. He has to enter into man as a man, but holy. And this is how he's going to take away sin. John talks about it, and uh, we'll look at it just real quick. First John, I'll look at this real quick. I don't have, I'm not going to go back and forth for every one of these, but First uh, John chapter 2, verse 2, it's talking about Jesus Christ. He is the propitiation for our sins. Not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Uh, one more time in that same book, 1 John 4.10. Uh, Herein is love, not that, he, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So this, is, this, this requires Christ. This requires a man to live in the flesh, but be holy, and then die a death that is that satisfies the justice system of, of God the Father, where the wages of sin is death, and Jesus Christ does that. And so Job's complaint is a legitimate complaint in his time. There's no nobody's going to take away sins. So if you're going to charge me with sin, I, there's there's not a man on the earth that can stand before God in this. And so Job, that's the first complaint he has. And it points to the work of Jesus Christ as a man in the flesh there. Second thing, then after this complaint, Bildad speaks a little bit, and then Job in chapters 9 and 10 has the second complaint that, that he makes. And this is found in Job chapter 9, verses 20, 32. It's 32 and 33. This one has to do with mediation. There's no... There's not only in the first point, there's, not a, there's nobody to take away sin. The second point is there's no one to mediate between man and God. Man is just stuck. He doesn't have any way to, to do any kind of business with God in any meaningful way. And so Job chapter 9, verse 32, For he is not a man as I am that I should answer him, and we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any daysman, this is like a, a contractor to do a, do a job for a day and move on, but the idea is mediation here. Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. That's to lay his hand on, on man and lay his hand on God. Let him take his rod away from me and let not his fear terrify me. Then would I speak and not fear him, but it is not so with me. 
His complaint is there is no mediation. There's no mediator. There's no way I can, I can present any kind of case to God. There's, there's no, no way God can see my side of this. There's just, there's no, no mediation here. And so this, this brings up, it's a, it's a legitimate complaint because there is no mediator, not until Jesus Christ. And so this, this is the second of Job's complaints. There's no mediator, and there has to be at some point if God is going to be just, and He's going to be merciful, and He's going to care, and He's going to love sinners and things like that. So Jesus Christ becomes and is the mediator. That's the answer. And Again, you're going to find that Jesus Christ is the answer to each of these complaints that Job makes. But in his day, he... he he doesn't have this. So after this complaint, and this goes on for, I think, uh, chapters 9 and 10, then, the, then Zophar, one, one of his friends, speaks up and wants to criticize Job some more. And uh, so he does that. And then Job answers something else. And chapters 12 through 14 is Job's answer. But this is the specific complaint he makes. In Job chapter 14, verse 7, this complaint says, There is no one who has conquered death. There's no man, there, there's nobody in, this, in the world that has ever conquered death. This, death is the enemy. Death wins every time. And so there's no way, there's no, man is stuck. He's just stuck in this, in this tribulation of life. And so Job chapter 14, verse 7, this is the complaint. He says, For there is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stock thereof die in the ground, yet through the scent of water it will bud and bring forth bows like a plant. So you can kill the tree and then rain and it'll show back up. But, verse 10, man dieth and wasteth away. Yea, man giveth up the ghost. And where is he? There's no, there's no, nobody has ever beat death for man. He's stuck. He's just, he's just bound to die. And so this is the third complaint Job has. And this goes on, this is 12 through 14, Job 12 through 14. There's no one who has conquered death and in his day, that's correct. There is nobody that's ever conquered death until Jesus Christ conquers death. And so this is, this is again, a, a great foreshadowing of Jesus Christ and all of these complaints Job makes. And it, all of it explains why Jesus Christ has to be a man. Uh, fourth one, or third one, or wherever we are here. Whatever number this is it. Fourth, maybe. Job chapter 16, and verse 19 is the, is the verse starting with this uh, starting verse. But there's some more back and forth. Um, Job 15 is one of his friends, again, accusing him of being something or doing something wrong. And uh, now he's going to have another complaint, and, and this one... It's sort of similar to the mediation, but this is specifically about advocacy. 
there is nobody that will take up Job's cause. He, he's lost his friends. His health is gone. His family is, is, his kids are dead. And he doesn't seem to be getting anywhere with God. I mean, he can't pray and get any kind of answer. And so there's nobody that, that has taken up the cause of Job. So in, in verse uh, 19, Job 16, 19, and this goes on for chapter 16 and 17. But at verse 19, he says this, Also now behold, my witness is in heaven, my record is on high, my friends scorn me, but mine eye poureth out tears unto God. Oh, that one might plead for man with God as a man pleadeth for his neighbor. That's, that's advocacy. He needs someone to take up his case before God. And he can't, he can't, he doesn't even know if it's happening in his life. It looks like it's not. It looks like there's nobody that, that uh, 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 is trying to defend a righteous man here. And so this is his complaint. And of course, you go up to 1 John again and that uh, first verse of chapter 2, it's as if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. So talking about Jesus Christ. And so again, this, this complaint is, is foreshadowing and it shows the work of Jesus Christ as a high priest and a, 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 someone who takes up the cause of the sinner. And so this is what Job's complaint is. I wish somebody would plead with, with God as a, as a man pleads with his friend. But uh, in Job's case, he doesn't have that. There's no advocate to take up Job's cause. The next complaint is this. And it's, it's not necessarily a complaint. It's, it's a, an explanation uh, of his hope. But in Job chapter 19, this is I love these verses. His, he, he does he wants his life to be written out to have some exemplary somebody to read about this, somebody to, to take note of his life. And so he says this in Job 19, starting in verse 23, "Oh, that my words were now written. Oh that they were printed in a book." They were graven with an iron pen and lead in the rock forever. And he got that. We're reading his story here thousands of years later. Verse 25, and this is great. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. It's like my body consumed and so that this isn't necessarily a complaint other than the only hope he has is, is after death um, but it, it's an explanation of the redeemer that he needs he needs redemption from corruption and this is this is something everybody needs they need redemption from corruption and of course the man that's going to redeem people from corruption he's not around yet in job's day but a few centuries later, he will be Jesus Christ, and so this is this is something that Job is is looking. He's he has this hope, but he doesn't know who the man is. It's a very good, very good prophecy of Jesus Christ there. 
Uh, here's I got three more of these. There is uh, Job twenty one. This is the next one. Job twenty one, chapter four, chapter twenty one, verse four. The complaint that Job has is, it's it's this this the thing that we can read this with all of our, you know, we see the backstory, and we still have the same question Job has. Sometimes some some people do, but uh, Job doesn't have any information on why the world is as backward as it is, as it is. He doesn't have any, any, particularly how it's personally affected his life now the backwardsness and the evil of the world. And so Job 21, starting in verse 4, he says, As for me is my complaint to man, and if it were so, why should not my spirit be troubled? Mark me and be astonished and lay your hand upon your mouth. Even when I remember I am afraid and trembling, taketh hold of my flesh. Wherefore, this is the question, wherefore do the wicked live, become old, yea, and are mighty in power? Why has this happened? Their seed is established in their sight with them and their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear. Neither is the rod of God upon them. They're bull gender. You know, they get you know, lots of crops and their, their animals are well fed and taken care of. And so this goes on for a little while. This is a couple chapters, I think, or for sure one chapter. But the complaint is... <laughs> Somebody explained to me this backward world and how it's destroyed my life now. Where is, where is somebody to explain this? Where is someone to, to show the meaning in this? What's the value of this? That a righteous man would be put through this, this trouble with no, you know, there's no promise of anything. He's hoping for the redemption, and yeah, I'm sure he believes and understands and has some assurance of that. But he just looks around, and it's like, "There's where? Where is, does God make some explanation of why He lets things go on like this?" And so, there's not really an explanation of this backward world in Job's time and and this is a complaint of his where is where is the man that's going to explain this and it reminds me of really reminds me of when when the night before jesus goes on the cross he explains to the disciples you know you're going to be hated this 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 christian life is not it's not it's not all about glory and, and everything right now. It, it's opposition to the world is what it's going to be, and the world's going to be opposed to you. And so this is this is Job's. He's looking for somebody to explain this. There's no one to explain this backward world until Jesus Christ, and then all of these troubles and evils. Now they have some meaning. Now there's some value in them after Jesus Christ. There's an understanding of of, hey, this stuff goes on. Paul explains it. Peter explains it. Jesus explains it. And uh, as the example, Jesus Christ goes through this stuff. And the apostles go through lots of trouble and, and tribulation and, and things like that. And so this is Job's complaint. No one to explain this backward world to him. Then this, in chapter 23, you got a little bit of... 
somebody else talking, complaining about Job, and then accusing Job. Then Job answers in chapter 23, verses 1 through 3. The complaint is, and I'm using the word complaint. God never really accuses Job of cursing. There's no accusation or, or no record that God, Job curses God. But he has these questions and he has this, this confusion about his situation. And uh, I say complaint, he, says, he uses the word complaint a couple times. So that's the way I'm using it. Now in Job 23, verses 1 through 3, the complaint is this. There's no, no way to God. There's no way for man to... I mean, you can think about a God that's high above you, but there's no access to Him. There's, not, there's no way for man to get there. So Job says this, Then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find Him, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. If I, if I could figure out how to get to God, I, but I don't have any way to him. I don't have any way to, to make my case, but I don't, have any, I don't even know where to, where to find him until Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ is God manifested in the flesh. And in, in his ministry, people are constantly bringing their needs to him. And uh, things like that. And so Job, but Job in Job's day, his complaint is there's no way to God. There's no access. And Jesus Christ would come and say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so this, this is Jesus Christ as a man in the flesh. And this is, uh, he provides this way. And uh, then this last complaint I said seven, maybe there's eight of them here. You go for a, a chapter or two where there's somebody, uh, again, accusing Job. And this last thing that Job says is, is going to run from chapter 26 to 31. But the, the meat of it is in 31, verses 2 through 4. And... Uh, Job's complaint is, where, where, is the, where is the one that's going to reward the righteous? Where is my assurance that doing good in this life and not cursing God has any value? So Job 31, 2 through 4, it says, For what portion of God is there from above? And what inheritance of the Almighty from on high? What, what is it? Where is it? Is not destruction to the wicked and a strange punishment to the workers of iniquity? Like that's, I, I, that's what I thought there was supposed to be. Good gets rewarded, evil gets punished. But where is the, where is the reward? Doth not he see my ways and count all my steps? This is, this is the complaint of Job. There's no one to reward righteousness. And if you go again to the New Testament, you'll find that Jesus Christ all of the spiritual blessings would be put into Jesus Christ. And when he says at the very end of Revelation, John says, even so come Lord, and Jesus Christ says, my reward is with me. This is So in Jesus Christ will be all of the rewards, of, all the divine rewards 
all of the things that God has for mankind are going to be found in Jesus Christ. All of the good things, the good gifts are going to be found in Jesus Christ. And so this complaint, this is the last time Job speaks. Well, at least in going back and forth with his friends there. And so it's, uh, I think, verse, yeah, at the end of 31, the words of Job are ended. And it's basically summed up in a few things that Job has some legitimate complaints about. But, and, and the reason they're not answered in Job is because they're going to be answered in Jesus Christ. So it's kind of left open. And so when, when the Lord answers Job, He doesn't give him answers to these complaints. He just expresses His own power and, and knowledge and understanding and how small mankind is to how big God is. But He doesn't really answer Job's specific complaints because centuries later, all of these complaints are going to be answered in Jesus Christ. And so it's a, it's a really fascinating, there's, there's no other, there's just no other literature in the world like this. Um, so this is, this is a good uh, little summary of, of the book of Job. Elihu's the next guy that speaks, and what he's going to explain is how, how God deals with man for like, I don't know, five or six chapters. So that said, I hope that's helpful. Learn something about the book of Job. And uh, let's pray and we'll take some prayer requests. Father, thank you for these words. Thank you again for each soul that is here this evening. And I pray that uh, this has been helpful uh, just to understand our Bibles. Why, why are these things in the Bible? What is going on here? What are we talking about? And I hope some of that stuff is made, made clear. So thank you for your words, and I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right.